So, you ready for the word this morning? Okay. Just uh, turn to the person next to you right now and say, Are you sure you're ready for this? Okay. Um, I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to launch into this. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege and honor of meeting under the name of Jesus this morning. And we commit everything that we do and everything that's going to happen in in us today to you for the furtherance and the extension of your kingdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Transform my life as I deliver this, but transform the hearers also. Plant seeds into their hearts and into their spirit and into their minds and into their bodies, Lord God, that are going to grow and germinate and bring a great fruitfulness to your kingdom as a result. Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit as I deliver this word. I, Father, ask you that you do incredible things through this message this morning and this series that we do. And I pray that in Jesus' name this morning. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Today I want to start a new series uh, of messages um, that I'm going to be focusing on for a number of weeks. It's, uh, so far, I've got 10 messages lined up. So it's, it's, a, it's a number of weeks. When I say a number of weeks, you've got to believe it's going to be a number of weeks. Uh, it comes out of something um, I saw in myself and the questions that I was asking not only of myself, but of God too. Recently, I have walked with some people through some very, very tough times in their own lives. Heart-wrenching things, things that uh, cause us to have this question of why. I also thought of some light-hearted things, uh, some totally unscriptural things that I'm going to be talking on in this series, Why? It's something that I'm going to be talking on that's not in the Bible. But I think that when I talk about that and that particular message, you'll understand why that, that, that is. I've thought about questions that others may be asking about why this, why that in our world. And why do, do things happen the way that they do? Why do we do things this way? Why does God allow this or that? Why doesn't God do anything? Why doesn't God just do something? Those are some of the questions that... I think that we can have in our lives. So this series has been birthed out of this desire to to answer some of the our why questions. It's I want to say right now that I'm not going to answer all of our why questions. In fact, I'm going to probably guarantee that uh, you're, you're you're going to have your own why question about why, Pastor Gary, didn't you talk about end times? Why didn't you talk about how come Jesus didn't heal everybody that he met? How, how why haven't you talked to me about how no actually got all of those animals into that ark. I mean, there's probably other questions that you have, uh, but I think that you get the picture, okay? One of the hardest questions to ever answer is the why question. We can talk for hours about our own lives, but then come back to this same central issue of why. 
The most asked questions by people in our world today go something like this. Why am I the way that I am? Why did this happen to me? Why did they do that to me? Why did God do this to me? We had this why, why, why issue that's going on within ourselves. And it's the question that a lot of people say that they're actually going to ask God when they get to heaven. Like that's going to be on the cards, you know. It's like, you know, I'm, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to God. I'm going to say, why did you let... <laughs> right, yeah. Let me tell you, let me know how that works out, okay. I think that would be an interesting conversation that I'd like to watch. Well, I don't want to participate in it, but I just want to watch how it works out for you. So there's these questions that we have. You know, the why question seems to be actually a major faith stopper for some people. It, it, it just stops. It's, we feel as though God has a responsibility to answer our question of why. We, we think for some reason he owes us an answer. You ever felt that? I have. I'll be honest with you. I, I felt, God, you, you, I need an answer on this. You need to answer me. I, I've stood in my back garden. And I've, I've, I've asked God, why on earth would you do this to me? Why would you allow this to happen? I, you need to talk to me. But maybe I'm the only one who does that. I don't think I am. I remember when our kids started asking the why question. Our kids became curious about life. What they could and couldn't get away with. And often the response that Jane or myself uh, got from our, uh, saying something to our kids was uh, something like, they'd ask, why? You know, can you brush your teeth, please? Why? Can you clean up your room, please? Why? Uh, just eat one more mouthful off your plate. Why? Can you stop picking your nose? Why? <laughs> it came to the point where I thought the only words they ever knew in their whole, whole life was why and no. I thought, what's that about? Adults, we're no different. I don't think we're any different. We too are left many times questioning things around about us. We are often left shaking our heads, never fully understanding things that are happening and and asking this question of why. The, The hardest question to find answers to is why a loving God will allow such tragedies to occur in our lives, especially the lives of those who bear his name. There's something we've got to come to terms with, and it's this, that bad things happen to the good, the bad, and everyone in between. No one's exempt from this thing of calling like a bad thing happening to us, a tragedy, a, a, a trial, a circumstance in our world. We sometimes entertain the thought that because we're a passionate follower of Christ, that we should somehow be exempt from life's tragedies, sicknesses, and the dilemmas of life. I'm sure that there's many here going through something personally or a family member is. I'm certain that there are people that we live with, that we work with, that we study with, that we shop alongside of, who are also experiencing some life-changing season, or they know someone in their family or their circle of influence who is going through something like that. The death of a newborn baby, the death of a loving and devoted spouse or parent, terminal sickness, relationship breakdowns, financial hardship. We ask 
Why does God allow one person with a terminal illness to be healed while someone with that same terminal illness doesn't get healed and passes away? We have these questions of why in our world. The only bad thing with asking why is that we never really get an answer. If God was a sadistic tyrant, his answer could quite easily be, well, why not? Why shouldn't this happen to you? What makes you think you're exempt? Well, I'm so glad that God's not like that. He's not vindictive. He's a loving and gracious God. We may not have like having no answers, but that doesn't make God good or bad. It just confirms that he is God for me. Sometimes God writes across some of the days in our lives. I'll explain later. He won't give us the answer in that moment, but he will give us the answer and allow us to see that response somewhere down the track. And that's why I love Pastor John Simons, who spoke here a few weeks ago about disciples making disciples. He talked about it from the frame of reference that sometimes you go through something and you have no clue why you're going through that. But then some ways down the track, you can turn back and you can look back on that time when you were going through that tragedy, that trial, that sickness, that illness, that, that moment in your world where everything seemed to be caving and you can look back at that and from the position of having moved forward and developed a relationship, a deeper relationship with God, you can look at that time and think, ah, that's why that happened. That's why that happened. And it brings some level of comfort to us. It brings some level of, of release for us. Some answer that we were looking for. But it still doesn't stop us from asking the question, why? While asking why may bring some people some small amount of comfort, I wonder if we're looking for the right thing with the question of why. I wonder if what we're actually looking for is a sense of comfort instead of answers. That we're not really looking for a, uh, an answer to that question about why this or why that, but we're actually looking for a sense of, you know what? God's in control. God's got it under control. And I can rest comfortably in knowing that he is the God of the universe and he knows what I'm going through and that he's with me in that moment. And that's the thing that I need to cling to is the sense of comfort that we derive from just walking day in and day out with our God Almighty. Habakkuk is a prophet in the Old Testament. And I'm going to be drawing some things out of the book of Habakkuk this morning that are going to help us, I believe. Habakkuk, like many of us, actually stepped up and questioned God about what was happening to his people and his home. Unlike any of the other prophets, Habakkuk actually questioned God. He wanted to know why these things were going on and why God seemed to be inactive in what was happening in the world, in Habakkuk's world at that time. We see in Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, and I read from the, the New Living Translation, it says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence but you do not save. Why do you, look, uh, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? 
Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict that abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Can you hear Habakkuk in in this? He's he's ticked. He's just ticked about what's going on. He's tired of seeing the the injustice that's happening around there. He's tired of not seeing God do anything in in his circumstance or in in his world or in the the area that he was operating in. In verse 12, it says, uh, Habakkuk goes on, it says, O Lord my God, you are who are eternal. Surely you don't plan to wipe us out. O Lord, you've sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. In other words, he's asking, why is this happening to us? And then Habakkuk asks, what have you got to say for yourself? And I, I mean, I'm never, I wouldn't say this to God in my backyard and then, like, I'd run, find a rock to hide under. But, you know, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk, he says, what's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he'll answer my complaint. That's pretty bold. That's just like, you know, what do you just hold a lightning rod in your hand? You know, I mean, but he, he did this. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Habakkuk wanted to know, just as we do, why, what God was going to do and why this was going on. Habakkuk faced a dilemma. He, he believes in a God who is all-powerful. He believes in a God who knows all things, who's righteous and just. This is the God that, that Habakkuk believes in. And when we hear a, then we hear a hidden doubt in Habakkuk's heart when his situation contradicts his belief about God. He's in a moment, he's in a place in his personal life that contradicts what he actually believes about God, the God of salvation, the God of hope. Just in, you hear these sort of doubts. You say, maybe God doesn't know everything. Maybe he hasn't seen all of this evil. Maybe he hasn't seen it, but he isn't. Maybe he has seen it, and, but he's not capable of doing anything about it. Maybe God doesn't think that these people are doing evil at all. And if we're truthful about this, We are no different from Habakkuk. We face situations that contradict what we believe about God. In fact, some of you are in that place today. You're in a place that's difficult, it's hard, it's traumatic. Something's happening in you or your family. And what you understand about God is not marrying up with the place that you find yourself in today. You understand and know that God is all-powerful. He's able to deliver. He's able to save. He's able to heal. But you are still sick. Your family member is still sick. You're still in a, you know, a world of hurt. And it contradicts what you understand about God. I'm digging deep this morning. I'm going deep. Are you up for the challenge? Okay, you all right? Okay. We look around at our world and we too ask, why? Why are children dying of starvation? Why is human trafficking going unchecked? Why is there corruption in government? Why is North Korea allowed to produce weapons of mass destruction? Why is marriage between a man and a woman under threat? 
Why hasn't my son, daughter, husband, wife given their life to God yet? We ask these questions. Where is God? Why doesn't he do anything? Is he still God? Come on. We have these questions. At some point in our world, some point in our life, each of us has these questions. There's something within our makeup that questions God's ability and the reasoning behind what's going on. And I don't know about you, but I don't really find much comfort in the phrases that we find out of Isaiah 55 verse 8. It says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your words. There's nothing that really brings a sense of peace or comfort in that to me. I struggle to understand that. It's like, I'm God, you're not, deal with it. I think people have turned away from God because they couldn't find the answer to why. They've turned their back on God. See, Habakkuk wasn't the only one that asked why in the Bible. The Israelites, they're in the wilderness and they're whinging about no meat. <laughs> I'd be with them, right, actually, because I'm a meat eater, all right? I'm a meatosaurus, all right? Give me a thick, juicy steak any day. I don't mind if I've got to kill it on the plate. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm up for it. Let's go. Okay. I know that Jane likes shoe leather. That's uh, it's just how she likes a steak done, been done. Uh, but she likes it well done, in other words. All right. Me, I'm happy if it's still bleating. You know, that's cool. So these, these Israelites, they're, they're complaining about no meat. But God provides in a supernatural way. But it still wasn't enough for them, so they questioned God. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 20, it says, Because you've rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? They asked why. Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, it says, But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned it and has put his hand, uh, us into the hand of the Midianites. Uh, uh, the, the Gideon's saying to, to, to God, what's going on? We see Nehemiah in Nehemiah 13 verse 11. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected? See, people in the Bible have asked these why questions. Job, Job asked the why question. In, in chapter 7, verse 20, If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watchmen? Why have you made me your target? Many of us at times feel like Job, maybe, that we have this target painted on our foreheads or on our backs, and we feel like that we are the target and the subject of everyone's barbs, everyone's uh, worst things like the enemy just wants to dump on us. He just sees this target painted at us. You know, many times we're driving down, uh, well, not many times, a number of times we've been driving down like Glen Osmond Road or down the freeway or something like that. And someone pulls out in front of you and it causes you to, okay, slow down. I have to take evasive action or whatever. It doesn't happen once in a trip. It happens maybe two, three, four times in a trip. I have to look over to Jane. I say, well, the next set of traffic lights, could you just hop out, have a look on the front of the car, and make sure that no one stuck a sign on there saying, please pull out of me in front of me, because I like being inconvenienced when I'm driving the freeway. Anyone else here have that same problem? You know, like, I don't know, it's, you're just a magnet for idiot drivers. 
It happens more in Mount Barker. Oh, these Mount Barkerites. Phew. Man. David was another person who asked the why question. In Psalm 10, verse 1, it says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Do you hear what he's saying? He's going through something. God's nowhere to be seen in his eyes. And he's asked the question, why? Where are you? Did you know even Jesus asked why? In Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think we're in good company when we're asking the why question, though. I, I, I actually like it that God allows us to be able to ask these questions. And we're not a crispy bit on the pavement. He actually wants to engage with us. He wants us to take us on a journey. It's okay to ask the why question, I think. Just as we ask why, and many in the Bible have asked why, I actually believe that our, that our community has questions as well. Com- questions about God, about faith, about life, about eternity. Trying to find comfort somehow, some way in their lives. And I wonder with uh, the, the community that's also asking these questions uh, about their lives, that they are looking for hope and light at the end of the tunnel, that they're watching our lives us who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, profess having hope and salvation in Christ. They look to us wanting to know if the hope that we profess in Jesus is the answer to their question about why in their world. How we live in response to trauma, hopeless prognosis, financial needs and relationship pain, how we respond to these gives them the answers that they are looking for. Do we walk away from God when we don't get the answer that we like? Or do we stay the course and say, no matter what, I'm in this for the long haul. doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to walk through this. Yes, there's genuine pain. There is genuine hurt. There are wounds that are happening with your life right now. That, but because of your relationship with Christ, you walk through it. And the people in the community see that. And they say, just maybe, just maybe. The way that we deal with that gives them the answer that a life of faith is worth it that it's worth stepping across the line and engaging in a faith conversation with someone that's going through something. Just maybe. Our neighbours, our co-workers, our family and friends are looking at us. They're watching us to see how we respond to hardship, to difficulties. They're wanting to know if it's going to work for them, a faith life. I love what 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9 to says this. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Sometimes we've... Bodybuilding. The only way to get stronger and to lift heavier weights 
is to actually take your body to failure, then have a rest so that your muscles are expanded, they stretch, they tear, they have minute tears in the, in the fabric of your muscle. And that when you rest, they repair, but they repair larger. That's how you get bigger and stronger. As an example, the park run. I, I talk a lot about park run, okay? Because it's my way of actually engaging with my community. In January of this year, I did my very first park run, okay? My time was 29 minutes, 56 seconds, okay? Here I am in August of this year now. I've done some things. I regularly train throughout the week, and then I do the park run again. I've now done 20 park runs, okay? So I haven't done it every week, but I've done it most weeks. On uh, Saturday, yesterday, yesterday morning, okay, I set a new personal best of 23 minutes, 17 seconds. I'm faster doing the park run. Why? Because I've trained my body. I've trained myself. I've gotten faster. I've eaten better. I've lightened the load. (laughs) I'm not carrying as many kilos around with me. The journey of faith is no different. We actually endure through things that we never think that we could. And each time we are expanded and strengthened and able to handle more as we go through life and continue to stay the course. I believe that's what our community is looking for. A genuine faith. A genuine faith. It's okay to have doubts and stuff like that. Take them to God. That's cool. But I believe that the community is looking for a genuine, authentic faith. One that's real, that they know that they can actually rely on and that's going to see them through the hard times. Now, they don't realize that it's going to be God that takes them through some journeys and some ways. Instead of asking why this is happening to us, perhaps we need to ask who. Lord, I ask you to reveal to me who you are in this and who I am in you in this. I think we need to ask who in these times, not why. Because God wants to show us something, I believe, about who he is about who he's created us to be. I never would have thought... I've got to tell you, in the police academy, there was no way that I enjoyed running. Okay? We used to have to go on these 10K runs straight after lunch okay, in the police academy. I never, never passed those tests. I had to do a 2.5K run. I think I passed it three times in the two years I was in the police academy try to pass the benchmark for it. I am fitter today than I've ever been in my youth or through the police academy or any other time. Why? Because I've trained myself. I've done little bits, piece by piece. Now, I pray it doesn't take you 30 or 40 years to do this uh, and that we do that in our, in our faith, but that we learn the, the lessons quicker. But I believe that there are some things that we can ask about who God has created me to be who God wants to show himself to be in our life. So here's some God's responses to Habakkuk's wise. Number one, God is in control. God is in control. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 says, Look at the nations, watch and be amazed. 
For I'm going to do things in your days you wouldn't believe even if you were told. This is Habakkuk's, sorry, God's response to Habakkuk. God's saying to Habakkuk, buddy, hang on. Okay? I haven't told you what's going on because even if I was to tell you, you wouldn't believe it. I love that about God. I mean, it just t- talks to me about the level of, 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 of who he is and how big he is and, and how he looks at stuff and plans things out and, and how he just, he's just wanting to show himself brave. And, but he'd just blow us out of the war. If, he, if you were to see in an instant the things that God has called you to do and that, that he wants to do through your life, who knows, it would absolutely like blow our minds. It would, we'd be so like, incredulous. We would not believe a single thing that we, we actually thought that God was going to do because it's so big, it's so massive, it's so huge, it's so wonderful, it's so exciting, it's so adventurous, it's so, so dynamic in, in all of its ways. But we wouldn't believe it. God is the one who has it all in his hands. As he told Habakkuk, the things that he does and why he allows them to happen is not for us to know because we just wouldn't believe him. But he's still in control. We can continue to question, but God allows such things to happen to fulfill his plans. Secondly, God knows what he's doing. I love that about God. He's cool. God has determined that some things need to take place to better his people, to deepen their faith, to stretch and enlarge the size of their spirit and their world to encompass the people that we meet and we see people differently and and, and relate to them differently because of what God is doing on the inside of us. He's enlarging us. God promised that he would bring his people back. God promised this to them. He allowed Habakkuk's people to go into exile to strengthen their need for him. But he always promised to bring the exiles back. This guy, Warren uh, Wearsby, said, God's people live by promises, not by explanations. We live by the promises of God, not by the explanations of God. Pause. Selah. Ponder, think. We too live under the promises of God. It's not always for us to know why things are going wrong, but it is an everyday occurrence that we have faith in the one who has called us to a new life in him. Thirdly, God can do the unexpected. God can do the unexpected. He won't do something that contradicts his nature or his character, but he can do things that transcend our own understanding and the ways that we would do things. God can do the unexpected. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Daniel. There's a passage in in the book of Daniel where suddenly this hand appears in midair and starts writing on a wall. That's weird. That's unexpected. That's God. It's, you know, Daniel, and like, was it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They, they, they get 
arrested because they're not doing what King Nebuchadnezzar is, is telling them to do, I think it was, and, and they get tossed into this fire that's seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And suddenly, everyone's looking at this fire, this furnace, what's happening there, and they see a fourth person suddenly arrive on the scene. And they think, who's that? Jesus. It's God. And then these guys walk out. Not Jesus, just the three guys, they walk out. The only thing that was burnt off of them were their bindings that held them captive. Everything, that no, no, no part of them was singed. In fact, people tried to make it hotter or, or tried to see what was going on in there and they got too close to the fire and they got burnt up. Pretty warm. Pretty warm. God may do things we wouldn't even dream of. God isn't limited by our poor thinking, our frame of reference. God's answer to Habakkuk is even more mysterious than his apparent failure to listen to Habakkuk's original complaint. It's not the answer that Habakkuk thought he would get. Have a read for yourself. Similarly, we, as we look at the problem of evil and enemies, we look at sickness, trauma, and tragedy in our world today, we need to acknowledge that God may be acting in a way that we don't expect. He may be acting in a way that we perhaps don't always recognize. After all, he's God. Our place is to allow him to be God and for ourselves to marvel at the wonders of the ways as he reveals himself to us through what he's doing in the world today. And I believe that he is the God of comfort. That's why we have the person of the Holy Spirit who walks with us. He is the comforter. He is the one that walks alongside of us, bearing our burdens so that we don't crumble in that. And if we leaned into the person of the Holy Spirit, we would have the comfort that we need in these moments when we're going through incredible hardship and hurt. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our family and friends are watching to see our response to what they're going through to see if it's going to work for them. And the beauty of that is, we don't have to say a thing to these people. We don't have to talk to them about Jesus or anything like that because they will see the natural outworking of our lives as we do that. We consistently... If you, if you think your, your neighbours don't think you go to church, I think you're, you know, you're mis, like, deceived because... Um, people say, uh, I see you going at, uh, uh, at quarter to ten every, every Sunday morning uh, and you don't you know, miss the time when you do that. I know you're going to church because you, you look nice, you dress nice, you smell nice. <laughs> They're really close neighbours, by the way. <laughs> they see it. They hear you talk, the way that you talk. That's why, you know, we've got to be wise about the way that we live. And our lives are on display. There is a light that is shining from us that cannot be hidden under a bowl. And that light is the life of men. That light is the light of Jesus. And there is nothing that you can do to stop that. There is nothing that you can do to stop that. 
Let's see what we can do and how we can live in a way that touches people. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 19 says this, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields, they lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Verse 18, Habakkuk says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I think we need that resolution. I think that we need that strength of character in our own spirit to say that no matter what comes, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve God. I will shine his light in my workplace. I will shine his light in my school, in my university. I will shine the light of Christ to my neighbors as I reach out and I build relationship with them. Habakkuk helps us respond to hardship and difficulties of life by doing three things. And we can do these same three things. Number one, reflect on who God is. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, have a read of it at, uh, at some point. Actually, I might read it to you myself. I've got a, a minute. So this is what it says in, in, uh, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 2 of Habakkuk. Say, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Let's reflect on who God is. Secondly, let's remember all that God has done. And then you can read about that in verses 3 to 17. All the things that God had done for Habakkuk and for the people of God. Think about the things that God has done in your past. Don't look at the things that he's not doing. Look at the things that he has done. Encourage yourself in doing that. Remember what he's done in the past because what he's done in the past, he can do again. That's why our God Story Sundays are so important and so vital and so empowering and encouraging for us as a, as a people of faith because whatever God has done for someone else, he can do again in my world. That's why when someone shares a testimony and you're going through exactly what they've been through but they've got the answer, we need to say and put our hand up or stand up and say, that's my testimony, that's the answer to my prayer and I attach faith to that and I'm going to believe that God's going to do for me what he's already done for them. That's why the, you know, we need to, to get behind these God Story Sundays. We need to lean into them because God's got more. I don't ever believe that God takes us through something or He's there with us and He brings a breakthrough just for it to end for that one person. I believe that there is more if we will lean into it and say, God, I know that you can do it for me. I believe God gets greater honor and glory for that because He extends the, the, the story through those people. The gospel should never stop with us. The gospel should never stop with us. There are more people that we can reach out to and relate to and, and connect with and, and encourage and speak over and speak into than just me. The gospel is not all about me. It's about Jesus touching an, a, a, a world that's distant from him, who doesn't know him. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Number three, the third thing. 
So we can reflect on who God is. We can remember all that God has done. And we can rejoice in the fact that God is God. If I could explain uh, everything that goes on in my life or why God does this or why God does that, he's not really a God that I could serve because I could figure him out. I don't know about you, but I get a sense of like awe and wonder and even fear about serving my God who I can't explain. And therefore, that phrase in Isaiah 55 verse 8, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts aren't your ways, you know what? I actually do understand it. It doesn't often give me a sense of comfort, but I understand it. And it actually helps me to worship him because, you know what? I don't want a God that I can explain. Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's daughter, wrote this. It's a bit of a poem. She says, I lay my wise before your cross in worship kneeling, my mind too numb for thought, my heart beyond all feeling, and worshipping, realize that I, in knowing you, don't need a why. I know that there are why questions about why you're going through something. I know that there are people here that you are facing incredible hardship that you've been through probably one of the worst seasons of your, of your entire life. And you may have these questions of why happening in your heart. And sometimes I don't think that what we're really looking for is an answer rather than just simple comfort, the comfort of God. Knowing that he's there, knowing that he's got it under control, knowing that he, he, he can do all things, knowing that he is God. And I sense maybe, just maybe, that what we're looking for is a sense of comfort in that. Let's stand. I'm done. I'm going to just simply put it out here now. If you would like prayer for any particular thing, maybe something spoke to you in the message, um, and you feel like that, you know, I just want that sense of comfort. I just want that sense of peace to, to come and descend upon my spirit, upon my soul, upon my mind. Because I do have these questions. I do have these doubts. I, I, I don't understand, God, what's, what's happening in this moment. I'd love to pray with you. And there'd be an opportunity after the, uh, the song that the team goes through that I'd love to pray with you. I, I, I want to tell you that you're in the greatest hands of all time. And that's the hands of the Father. You're in the hands of the one who never makes mistakes, who never blows it, never blows up. I want to tell you that he is a loving, gracious, and good God. And this morning, if you have those questions and you just want to say, God, I just want to lay them at your feet, then do that. But I'd love to pray with people if if you'd like some prayer for that. But I will say don't want to let this opportunity go maybe that we have people here this morning i don't know wherever you are in relation to your relationship with god i don't know where you are on in that journey but i sense that you know maybe something's spoken to you and um, you just feel like you know you want to go deeper in god and you're just saying god i i 
I've, I've li- lived at a surface level. But I want to I want to dive deeper into this. I want to actually give my complete life to you. I don't want to hold anything back anymore. I want to live for you. I'm tired of living my way. I'm tired of coming up with my own resources, my own answers. I want you to speak to my life today. I want you to lead my life from this moment forward. I want to have this trust in you that it doesn't matter what's going on. I know that I can trust you because you're the God of the universe who loves me and gave your son for me. So I'm going to just have everyone, your head bowed and your eyes closed, please. If you've never given your heart to Christ, you've never said, Lord Jesus, would you come in, forgive me of my sin? Would you be my Lord and Savior? Would you give me a new life, a fresh start this morning? If you've never prayed that, but this morning you say, yeah, I want that. I, I want to give my life to God. I'm, I, I feel that this is the morning that that needs to happen. Would you put your hand up? I would love to pray with you and to, to lead you in a prayer. We would all be praying together with you. There are everyone in this, or most everybody in this room has done this at some point. They've committed their heart to you, to, to God. And I, I just want to make this an opportunity. If, if you feel that you want to do this for the first time, just put your hand up nice and tall so I can see it. And we'll be praying with you. Anyone here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Two people who want to say, I'm going to give my heart to you. Is there anybody else? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart you are made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Is there anybody else? Just want to give a couple minutes more. Anybody else? Let's all pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you now, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of living my way. I want to live for you. I want you to come into my life. And change me from the inside out. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Because I believe. You came to the earth. You died. And on the third day. You rose again. And right now. You are living with the Father. At his right hand. In heaven. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, empower me now. Fill me now with your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give everyone a hand, those people that gave their hearts to Christ this morning. I can't remember if I said this or not. Um, So much goes through my head on a Sunday morning. But just in case I haven't, because I can't rem- honestly can't remember if I've said that. I know I said it to the VIP huddle this morning. But uh, on our salvation board over here, we've had people put names up of people they are wanting to see born again. We're asking people that if you have a family member, a friend, a co-worker, if you have someone that's on your heart that you feel that you want to see saved 
and give their heart to Christ. Then we ask people to put their names up on that board. And throughout the week, we have people come and pray for that. In the services, we have people pray for that. At various times and, and, and things that we get people praying for that. What I felt was at our last corporate prayer gathering was that um, we get people to take a photograph of that. And I felt God say to me this morning, like, get them to take a photograph, but then that photograph, make it your background, your wallpaper on your phone. Okay, so that every time that you use your phone, you are reminded, I need to pray for this person. Now, I, I'm asking us today, right, let's, let's get behind this. Let's really dive into this. You know what? Take a photograph of someone's name. Pray, God, whose name am I drawn to? It may not be someone that you know, but whose name are you drawing me to that I can pray for? Then take a photograph of that name on that card, set it as your wallpaper, and every time you play a game or you answer a message or you send a text message or you receive a phone call, you'll see that person's name and say, God, I want to pray for that person for their salvation. Cause circumstances to come about where they hear about you, that they turn and they, and they, they give their hearts to you. Is that, is that fair? I just want to put that out to you. I think it's just going to be a great opportunity for us to, to see and get behind our salvation wall because I want that wall there to be over there where it says we've seen an answer to prayer. Amen? And they don't have to come to this church. I don't care if they come to this church or not. I just want them in the kingdom because I believe it's just about the kingdom. You cool with that? Have a great morning. Let's go.